0: Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition. It's Rosie on the House.
1: Here we go. You got some rainy day music for us in there, Gary D? Actually, it's a little Mardi Gras music down Mardi in the home state. Yeah, yeah Mardi baby. Gras weekend. Yes it, for it Professor is. Professor
0: Long here to kick off the show.
1: Oh yeah. Damn, Arizona! Saturday morning. Good morning, Arizona. You can stay high and dry right here at my house, Rosie on house. Come on in. Make yourself comfortable. Pour yourself a fresh cup of hot coffee and grab yourself a seat. What a week, boy! We've. Uh, I, I have to. I have to do this because those of you uh, that listen regularly know. Uh, I don't like to do yard work. Thank you, Ray Lopez of Scottsdale Weed Control, for working 14-hour days the last three days, getting all of his clients pre-emerged before this rain event. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and this is the kind of perfect rain for oh. that because it just soaks in instead of running off. Oh so man, we should be good to go. Yeah, we should be. We should be good to go. Thank you, Ray. Hey, Jennifer and I went out to an event Monday night uh, at the Madison, which is like a, a a studio built by the Madison School District at Sixteenth and right per- up Missouri. Mm-hmm. I think Performance Center, beautiful. Really, it, it's just less than a year old. But uh, President. Teddy Roosevelt was there. You know, I really felt like I met him. I had to remind myself <laughs> that was an impersonator. He was fabulous. And it was 15 bucks a ticket. So. It was, it, he, he talked without notes for an hour. Uh, and then after the presentation, he went into the reception lobby area and visited with guests for another hour. He Never did. came out of roll. Not, not, not for one second. He Where was, was this? It was. It, it's a brand-new little theater on 16th Street uh, built by the Madison School District, mm-hmm. I believe. But, but it, it was great. And and I, I've got another attaboy, too. Boy, the, uh, big things happened this week in my life. I found a new meat hop butcher shop. A new one? A new one. Uh, I've been shopping Hobie Meats on 16th Street for about 40 years. Well, they've opened a sister butcher shop up in our neighborhood It's Scottsdale and Shay. That's dangerous. The really? Rusty... The rusty, I think it's called the rusty nail. Just, but just opened. Yeah, I you, walked in there last night and I was drooling all over. They had to follow <laughs> me with a mop. <laughs> well, we're going to teach you some terminology before I let you do any more shopping. Roman, he bought a two hundred dollar prime rib. I remember that story. <laughs> that was a couple. It was, was a, a couple weeks ago. It yeah. was a three three bone in. Oh, prime rib but yeah. bigger than a football <laughs> and was that the best prime rib you've ever had yes that's the best prime rib we've ever cooked at our house that was delicious oh man all right so we had a great week we had we hope you had a great week don't let the rain this weekend dampen your spirit let's soak it all up Jennifer and I we're gonna go horseback riding on Monday but I think it'll be too slippery for that but it will be perfect to go skiing <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that at lunch I uh I never it never ceases to amaze me that people complain about rain in Arizona. Well, it just it's just <laughs> habit, you know. You're not used to it, but boy, if you've been here long enough, you sure adore it and relish it when it comes. I know. If anybody uh, should complain, it'd be you. The desert, <laughs> the desert. <laughs> Why? Just the mud oh. and the street, and you know, <clears throat> just the inconvenience of it all. I Got all an right. email that snowball's expecting 15 feet Uh, out of all this inches inches Inches. Inches. yeah Yeah. absolutely i think monday's maybe i was just being hopeful yeah right (laughs) i think monday's got ski written all over it now let's bring it back uh to the topic at hand we've invited a special guest to join us regular repeat guest dr sky who's joining us actually from sedona this morning dr sky good morning
2: Hey, good morning, Rosie. Good to be in the house with you and your family. Yes, another rainy morning, but a beautiful day here in Sedona.
1: We have got a lot to cover on your topic of the universe today. Now, folks, I know it's early. I know it's a little damp. It's a little cold out there. You may be getting a little bit of a slow start, but I I want you to get into Dr. Sky's head and he's just like an economist they think in numbers so big i mean the new national budget is only calling for 1 trillion dollar deficit in one year 1 trillion dollar deficit in one year and the, and they're congratulating themselves for that now the, but we're not a political show now ship. now the 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 dr sky and his friends talk about the speed of light like it's jogging around the corner the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. If you could put yourself on a train traveling the speed of light at the equator, you would circumnavigate the equator of Earth seven and a half times <laughs> in one second. <laughs> Ooh, that <I> hurt. <laughs> so I bring Dr. Sky in, and I stretch your minds because I want you to start thinking. I mean, this isn't... I mean, this is big stuff. When you're talking light years... You're talking big stuff, and we've got this star that's almost as big as our entire universe, planetary universe, that's getting ready to go supernova. And I thought, well, we got to get Doctor Sky in to talk about that. What's the, what's the story on this baby, Doctor Sky? Well, Rosie, it's very interesting. This
2: particular star is known as Beetlejuice. Now, this this has nothing to do with Michael Keaton. And that, you know, character in the movie, but the star is what they call a red supergiant variable star. It's a red luminous supergiant. And in Earth terms, this particular star, Rosie, if you just look at it from the simple perspective of looking at how many times larger than our sun, it's 1,400 times larger than the sun. Now the sun as you're see, waking up. See, early he this just morning. he just
1: drops that like <laughs> like it's oh and here's here's change for your dollar, you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> fourteen thousand times larger No, fourteen hundred. Fourteen hundred
2: times ta- larger than the sun. But you have to remember this <sighs> our sun, for everybody waking up this morning, is about eight hundred and sixty five thousand miles in diameter. So putting it even into more simplistic terms, they would take 109 Earths just to make the diameter of the sun. But this star, Betelgeuse, which is a very low-temperature star, and what happens, Rosie, without all the super details of physics this early morning, <laughs> is that some of these stars, they start to lose their ability to <clears throat> excuse me, fuse hydrogen. And then what they do is they start to fuse heavier metals until somehow they expand, and this particular star, Betelgeuse, is really something that astronomers are watching. And why is it so important this early Saturday morning <laughs> is because this star has been dimming in our sky. So simply, if you go out any clear evening and look high up into the south by 9 p.m., for those that are beginners in astronomy, look at okay. the constellation Orion. The upper left star, which is known as Betelgeuse, which means simply the armpit of Orion the Hunter. Okay. This star, Rosie, has been dimming over the last hundred, hundred uh, years, and now it's been dimming over the last five years. And astronomers usually say that when these stars begin to dim rapidly, that could be on the path to becoming an implosion event or supernova.
1: And I guess and, we know. I guess we know it isn't astronomers aging with cataracts. Not at all.
2: And about a year ago, we were nice, and and I shouldn't say nice, we were lucky enough to fly aboard NASA Sophia, the big airborne telescope, and we spent 13 hours with the scientists observing this particular star, and here's what we found out. There's large envelopes of gas that are coming off of this particular star. That may be one of the reasons why it's dimming. But smarter minds say that this particular star is only about 10 million years old. Now go figure, our sun's about four and a half billion years old, these red supergiants are rather unstable. So here's the big news: if and when this star goes supernova, not just going, when is it going to happen? It could happen tomorrow, it could happen next year. It could happen in another thousand years. But when it does, Rosie, this is interesting, and this is a fact. This particular star, once it implodes, will shoot up to the brilliance of that of the full moon and be in our skies when it happens for more than months, maybe a year. And that means in the night, if you had no moon in the sky, you would see your shadow cast in dark locations by the star Betelgeuse 650 light years away, and it would be distinctly visible in daylight. And this is amazing, because this is the first time in human history that humans would be able to experience a star that close, that bright, really nothing in the record books, Rosie, even shines that bright other than the sun. That would be an epic event maybe that would bring the earth and the people on the earth all together because we all know that there's so much above us even though there's so much going on here i don't want to sound
1: too now, philosophic. now that's that's a far yeah, that's, amazing. that's a far away away but this is a big dude or do and it goes supernova implodes if it does, it, right. it, mm-hmm. it fills the universe with a debris field going 360 degrees i mean do we have i mean it's how many light years away
2: It's about 650 light years from the Earth. But there's nothing that we really... And this is interesting, too. I mean, the astronomers tell us this. At that distance, 650 light years, there's really nothing for us to worry about as far as the explosion event. But if we were to look at another star in our sky, which is Sirius, the brightest star in the sky, just look into the eastern sky at sunset or southeast more precisely, that star is only 8.6 light years away. If we replace that star with Betelgeuse and it blew, we would be in serious trouble. And it's amazing how things are. We're pretty much out of harm's way. But this is a big news event when it does happen, not if. And I wanted to let everybody know that throughout this year, you can obviously keep your eyes peeled to Betelgeuse because it's distinctly dimmer. And that's the strange thing. It hasn't been this dim for this particular long period of time. Since astronomers have really observed it, it is a variable star, well, which means it changes and gets brighter and dimmer. But this is an unusual event. Probably the best minds say it's leading up to the potential for a supernova.
1: Wow. Well, and I would imagine they've got cameras trained on it twenty-four hours a day for when it happens. We got to capture that, right? Oh absolutely, man, absolutely,
2: Rosie. So are it's we, a beautiful, I, beautiful I, thing.
1: Well, I want to come back a little bit closer to home. And talk about whether the meteor that shot across the sky of Prescott and Prescott Valley could possibly be a part of the debris field of the early implosion of Betelgeuse.
0: The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford.
1: Well, none of us were right. Yeah, we were trying to guess what music Gary was going to bring us back in. Was it something from Beetlejuice? Was it going to be that champagne supernova song? Was it.
0: Well, what, what is
1: this? That's the theme
0: to Lost in Space. Yeah. Ah,
1: we are exploring the edges of our universe now with Dr. Sky. One of the things I always. It's just curious minds want to know. This is kind of where my brain lives. But I'll tell you, my brain was seriously seriously impacted within the last 10 days. I bought Jennifer a red velvet-covered heart-shaped chocolate (laughs) box. A big one. (laughs) A big box. And I brought it home. Well, the whole thing about that is when you open it, you don't know what you're going to get. Do you know, Romy, they now include roadmaps as to exactly what's in every. (laughs) I mean, you open the box and they tell you exactly where to go for the caramel, the raspberry cream, the molasses (laughs) chew. So I had to take them all out this is, and, and put them in a mason uh, jar so he'd be happy. So he didn't know what he was getting. This is <laughs> unbelievable. You could have just thrown that away. I guess I could have. <laughs> We're here with Dr. Sky, uh, and and I wanted to talk a little bit. We're talking. We've talked about this this star that's thirteen hundred times larger than our sun that's about ready to go supernova. But closer to home, we've also got a meteorite that kind of we hope, left kind of a debris field somewhere between Yarnell and Prescott, similar to the one that left a debris field over in the White Mountain Apache Indian Reservation about three years ago. Dr. Sky, ha, ha, let's go look for it. Let's go get it.
2: Absolutely, Rosie. Hey, let's go Dateline, Sunday the 16th of February, 7.20 in the morning, people in Prescott and the areas around it were calling the local police Saying they heard an incredible sonic boom. Many people who were out, just as dawn was breaking, they saw this big streak of light in the sky, and the story goes that there was a second boom heard Tuesday night. But what was this? Well, obviously astronomers say that this is more than likely a small meteor, when it hits the ground it would become a meteorite, but maybe on the size of maybe the size of a grapefruit or maybe even the size of a basketball, but I doubt that big. But but let's go back to the other one over the White Mountains. Back on June second, twenty sixteen. This is a fa- fascinating story. An object traveling about forty thousand miles per hour. Ugh. People on their little uh, ring cameras and their little private, you know, private security cameras are seeing this incredible flash of light across the sky. The story goes that ASU and their great meteorite hunters actually got permission from the tribal, na- their people at the tribal nation, to go out there and do some searches what's amazing, only about 132 hours later, lo and behold, out in the middle of nowhere, let's say, they find 15 pieces of that particular object. Now, wow. that's incredible in itself. And they'll always belong to the, the tribal nation, okay, but they've loaned them over to ASU. And the 15 pieces have a beautiful name, and they're known as the U Star Rocks. I love it. And th- this is amazing. But, Rosie, this is incredible because these things that come out of the sky— Once they either explode, because a lot of these meteors, before they hit the ground, there's all different types. Time doesn't permit to go into the deep deep science, but nickel iron, and then there's these stony-type meteorites that are a composition of stone-like material, you know, less dense than than metal. And what happens when they come through the atmosphere? Simply they vibrate. Frictional forces make them explode or, or disintegrate. And the point is that around these events, there's this strewn field. That's the technical name. So folks are actually searching for these particles. What would you be able to, how would you identify one? Well, the simple answer is something that has a dark, burnt crust on it, something that would be at least somewhat magnetic, and obviously if you saw the thing fall, it would be hot to the touch, so don't try that. But the point is, there's so many of these that, that happen around the world, and it seems like for some strange reason, nobody can figure out why, We're seeing, and it's probably due to the high technology when we track so many of these near-Earth asteroids. There's about 2018 of those. Wow! Millions and millions of other asteroids. But this is a common occurrence now. It's not as strange as you think. I remember watching my first fireball back in the New York area, back in 1966, and I kid you not, Rosie, even though my mind was a lot younger and my reflections and (laughs) memories are not perfect, I remember seeing this thing bright as like half a moon And it went overhead, and I heard it sizzling like you had bacon on the grill. Wow. So these objects from space are incredible. So I hope they find these. And the best of luck to those that do it. And if you do find
1: them and it's on, you know. Is it it finders keepers?
2: Well, yeah, that's a technical question. I'm not a meteorite (laughs)
1: lawyer.
2: I think we need a meteorite (laughs) lawyer here. But the simple (laughs) answer is if you're out on open land and you find it, and you had, let's say, permission from somebody, a farmer in a field or something, or maybe you'd be nice enough to split the thing with the person. But the point is, generally, you, if the finder, is the the owner. Uh, and there's people that have actually found these. I remember in El Paso, Texas, maybe 10 years ago, something hit in the driveway and landed in the street. And there was an argument as to whether or not the homeowner had right to keep it in the street because that was where wow. the property line ended. So it's a fascinating story. But let me say that some of these are worth an incredible amount of money. And then on the other side of the coin, some of them are not even as valuable in SARS dollars, but we don't search for them just because of the dollar value. It's just the uniqueness and the science of it. I would hope too.
1: Oh, I haven't heard a sonic boom since about 1966. We're going to be back with Dr. Sky after this short bottom of the hour break. And we're going to be talking about the world of astrobiology. Uh, The question of whether extraterrestrial life exists they have now recorded radio signals with a regular pattern originating in deep space oh curious minds want to
0: know the rosie on the house arizona hour driven by sanderson ford oh yeah
1: It came out of the sky, and then everybody wanted a piece of it. The president wanted it, the pope wanted it, the FBI wanted it, the CIA wanted it, the farmer wanted it, and the man that saw it fall out of the sky wanted it. We're here this morning talking with Dr. Sky, and uh, I want to go now, Dr. Sky, we've talked about Beetlejuice, we've talked about the meteor event that's probably left, hopefully, a little debris field somewheres. Uh, in Yavapai oh, yeah. County. Uh, boy, I would tell you, uh, I would I would get... I don't know what temperature that product must be when it lands, but I would start yeah. looking for little brush fires.
2: You know, it's possible. There have been instances where that has happened, but for, I guess we're very fortunate that a lot of these meteors, like the one we talked about in the White Mountains, uh, apparently they cooled quick enough that they were lucky enough to be found. These tiny particles still amaze me, Rosie. It's ah. amazing how... Those researchers could find something that tiny in such a vast area of open land. It's incredible.
1: It, it must it, it, really mu- it must be a hoot to be out on those scouting missions. Well, talk sure. about scouting missions. What's this article I read in the last 10 days? Someone is now confirming they're receiving regular radio signals in a regular pattern from a source unknown in deep space. What's that about? Well,
2: this is an amazing thing in astronomy. It seems with all the high technology, a radio telescope in British Columbia has now confirmed that there is a pattern to something in astronomy called a fast radio burst. And here's what this is in the simplest terms. There are transient radio pulses that come out of the universe. They're all over the sky. And this is something within the last 10 years that astronomers have been detecting. Oh. But this particular uh, fast radio burst is coming from a galaxy, they believe, 500 million light years away. And its true source, the progenitor of this, is really unknown. But this is what the smartest minds think. Out of this particular blast, it's like if you had a lighthouse and that beam, uh, beacon is swing, swinging around in a foggy sky, you see, of course, like a laser, it points as it rotates. Yes. They're objects in space called magnetars. What are these? These are neutron stars. These are tiny, super compact, beyond our wildest imagination. If you had a spoonful of neutron material, it would weigh as much maybe as an aircraft carrier or a large super skysc- skyscraper. But what's happening here, these, what they think, these amazingly powerful magnetic fields, they're spinning so fast, and nobody understands the physics behind this. One beam that's sent out in space theoretically has more energy in that one millisecond burst than a whole galaxy puts out in in thousands and millions of years. So this now, is wait, amazing. Wait, so
1: wait, put- wait, 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 wait. Stop yeah. right there. Wait, wait. <laughs> could, could you repeat that for me, please? All right. <laughs> here we go. Holy cow. In a millisecond. A millisecond. Energy released, in
2: a millisecond. The energy released from these particular objects that are behind the door, behind the curtain of fast radio bursts, more than likely have more energy than an entire galaxy could release. You know, we're talking billions of stars in a short period of its lifetime. And the problem here is, what is it? But now, this is to answer your question, we're seeing a 16-day repetitive signal. Now, people can check. You go to YouTube and you just look at the, listen to the audio of fast radio bursts. It is kind of eerie. Now, one, is it theoretical that there is life out there? Of course, obviously. I believe that strongly, and no time to talk about it today, of course. But this is something interesting. We've never seen a repetitive pattern. It'll go a few days, it'll stop maybe for 12 days, then it comes back in 16 days with a singular type of a pattern. Well, who are we to say that maybe that's not some sort of intellect behind that or some intelligence? That's amazing, and maybe if it's not, Just imagine that type of energy released from something in space. It really defies the laws of physics. It totally is amazing, Rosie, that we're even knowing and and discovering these kind of things in the galaxy. So they may be more common than we think, but because of the great technology, why are we hearing about more meteors and asteroids? The technology gives us the ability to image this or track this. Radio telescopes. But now we have another subject of controversy with (laughs) SpaceX, and I'm a big fan of it. They were, they're all seeing so many Starlink satellites that that's great for the internet around the world to lower the cost. I'm in favor of anything that you know provides jobs in the space arena. But the radio astronomers are now concerned that these objects may be allegedly up in the future to 42,000 of these Starlink satellites that might interfere with their imaging of objects like receiving signals. and the observer, the visual astronomers, that are tracking with giant telescopes are seeing smears across their imaging (laughs) from so many of the star links, but it's an amazing subject, Rosie. It really is. It's just totally.
1: Yeah. Do we have any guess of how many man-made objects are orbiting the earth right now?
2: Good question. The answer I'll give you is well over 10,000. Why am I not more specific? Because you, they drop out, they go (laughs) and they move in constantly. SpaceX, you got to salute them. This is their, They've launched 80 missions so far. This is great. They've done the impossible. They've lowered the cost of getting to space. And the old threshold was, how do you lower the cost per pound? In other words, add your weight, folks out there listening, to $1,000 per pound. And that's probably theoretically what it would cost to launch yourself into space. But Elon Musk and SpaceX and Jeff Bezos with Blue Origin, they're trying to lower the cost to get to space, which they're doing a good job But the problematic thing is, the answer, Rosie, is thousands and thousands of objects are put up in space yearly. And it's going to be a a very crowded area, to say the least. And from the military side, the American government, obviously, with the new Space Force under President Trump, there's stories about space being the next military frontier. We know that that could be a battlefield. It's not something that people don't think about seriously. But on a brighter note, I just wanted to remind the listeners of the show that we've got two events, Rosie, that are coming up here. March the 14th at Lost Dutchman State Park. That's our give back to the community, 7 p.m. Come on out. We bring out the telescopes, the big guns as we call them, and get to see things. We get a great response. And then, of course, the beautiful Dolly Steamboat. We do that dinner cruise on the last Sunday of March the 29th. Obviously, check with the Dolly Steamboat for the Dr. Sky Cruise. And, Rosie, I just want to remind people, I know it's so. I'm so proud to be on your show and this radio station with the Dr. Sky Show, 3 a.m. Saturdays. And they can go to the KTIR.com. I'm proud of this. And uh, everybody out there who wants more information, just go to ktr.com to the Dr. Sky blog. We've been doing that for over three and a half years. And current articles that people can check, we give you the ability to load it, download a free star chart. You can find the satellite page up there and load, know and be the smartest person, right, Rosie, in your neighborhood of knowing what satellites are coming. Let's say you have a barbecue going on and you want to entertain your guests. Just tell them in 10 minutes, the space station is coming from over there. Yes. And you know what? They'll go, wow, you have magical powers. But, you know, it's so fun to be with doing this with you, Rosie, and your family. I really appreciate your kindness and uh-huh. your generosity in having me Anytime,
1: the Anytime I have you on the show, I have to get up a half hour early and do brain, <laughs> brain calisthenics just to make sure I'm awake.
2: Well, wow. just remember this one. If you're thinking in terms of the speed of light in miles per hour, like I say, joking, if you ever get pulled over by a law enforcement officer, a man or a woman, and they you ask them why they pulled you over and they said you were speeding, well, tongue-in-cheek, you could say, well, officer, ma'am, sir, do you know what the speed of light in a mile per hour is? And they will go, why? Tell them it's 670 million miles an hour, and I wasn't going that fast.
1: Not And that. hopefully
2: you don't get hopefully you don't get two tickets out of that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: right. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And these radio signals, you trust the sources that are detecting? I mean, this isn't Russia trying to impact our elections, is it? (laughs) No, Rosie, and that's even funnier. But no, there's a funny one to end on. Radio astronomers were also
2: detecting some strange signals that had a repetitive sequence. And guess what they found out it was? This is no joke. They found out downstairs in the cafeteria area they were actually picking up the signal from the microwave oven and that's not a joke
0: somebody's burrito lunch oh
1: uh, <laughs> man well if if we if we've currently got 10,000 plus or minus man-made objects orbiting the earth and Elon Musk wants to put another 42,000 up there mm-hmm. um i i i i I somebody's gonna do it. I guess I'd just as soon be an American as anybody else. But
2: well, yeah, man. But it's getting crowded. And look, I think the biggest concern for people—we don't talk politics here—but obviously, the concern is that other nations around the world are putting up different type of satellites. And there's some things that are happening. One of one real quick is that a Russian satellite has been trailing and spying on one of our surveillance satellites that the uh, NRO, National Reconnaissance Orbit, puts up there, office puts up there, and it's been tracking it and taking images of it, and some wonder, why is it doing that? Mm-hmm. And it changed its orbit to move and maneuver. Oh. And not to, be par- not to be paranoid, but the reality is, if there were ever, God forbid, serious wartime uh, things going on on this planet again, space is obviously another battlefield, not that we like it, But all you'd have to do is to knock out so many of these important satellites. And the easiest way to do it, not to give anybody out there an idea to build one, is to use a kinetic kill vehicle, which is like slamming a giant piece of metal that you launch. You don't even have to have an explosive device. You just fire it like a big, long rod of tungsten. And if you fire it into a spacecraft, it would just seemingly destroy it. And then what you have is another big problem. Not only do you have so many satellites orbiting the Earth, You obviously have so much debris in space, which is now another concern, too, because those particles, (laughs) even the size of a fingernail, could be devastating as they might travel and hit things like the International Space Station and other valuable assets that the world has put up there. From your HBO satellites to your other satellites, it's getting crowded.
0: If we've learned anything from the movies, it's James Bond's Moonraker. It can be done.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> See, Maybe not so go. much. Man, You're absolutely man. right, guys. But it's wow. an
2: amazing story. But you know, Rosie, it's a blessing, and I want to end off on this. Finally, I don't know what time we have left, but this February the 18th, we mark the 90th anniversary of Pluto and the discovery here at Flagstaff at the Lowell Observatory, and not to stand like, sound like I'm standing on soapbox, but that was my professor in astronomy, Dr. Tombaugh. I, I always remembered him, and I always will remember him as this great guy that, you know, he came here to Arizona pretty much penniless. He didn't do it for the love of money, and he discovered that object, which is now designated as a dwarf. And back in that time period, that's still an amazing feat that someone could actually image an object. He spent thousands of hours In the freezing cold and in the heat of the summer night, scanning the skies with the old way, you know, a lot of young people don't realize that when we had cameras, we had these big, giant photo plates that were the size of like a, I don't know, like a tablecloth. And they had to go out and not only observe all night and take the pictures, but they had to develop the stuff in the daytime.
1: And then the, then the old way. And then track the images to find out which ones are moving, what? folks. Uh, Dr. Sky, thank you so much for joining us this morning, and folks. My if you, if you, you haven't been up to uh, the space uh, Lowell Observatory, uh, Lowell Observatory, and just discover what that professor had to do to discover it's it's a it's and a it's a great family trip, Dr. Sky. Is it a planet or not a planet? Because it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't. What's the the final?
2: I'm biased, Romy. It's always a planet to me, and we could spend time in the future discussing this. I do this in seminars. They demoted it to a dwarf, but it's got five attendant moons. That's a Uh, long story. Dr. Sky votes for it to be a
1: planet. All right. 42,000 satellites focused on you.
0: Our February staycation at Rosie on the House takes us up the B-Line Highway to Payson, then east on 260 to the turnoff to Christopher Creek and Christopher Creek Lodge, our accommodations for the staycation this month. Jeff R., who stayed at Christopher Creek Lodge, said this about it. If you need a break from the city and enjoy nature and the outdoors, don't pass up the opportunity to stay at Christopher Creek Lodge. Great people, great location, and great environment to just get away and enjoy nature. And the owner of Christopher Creek Lodge in this little slice of heavens with us this morning, Darren Barney, good morning.
3: Hey, we love those reviews. We need more of those. (laughs) Love love to hear that.
0: Why don't you describe Christopher Creek Lodge to us?
3: Perfect. Love to. So I'm here with my brother and partner, Justin Barney. And Christopher Creek Lodge, for those who have not been to Christopher Creek, Christopher Creek is about an hour and 50 minutes from the valley. So it's a short drive and it's right below the Mogollon Rim. So when you walk out the lodge door from many of the spots, you can see part of the Mogollon Rim. And the actual lodge itself was established in 1950, so this year we're going to be celebrating 70 years. When you walk into the property, there's a number of cabins, there's some smaller motel rooms, and we're in the process of finishing a game room that's going to have shuffleboard, TVs, couch, uh, game tables, card tables for, for families and friends to play but the best part about the lodge, honestly, is just the location of the trees and the greenery. And then the crown jewel is the Christopher Creek that literally runs right through the lodge. There's eight of the cabins that you walk out your cabin and you're on the you're on the shore on the bank of Christopher Creek. And and that was my was big after.
0: thing too, my takeaway. And I've been to Christopher Creek many times. Uh, it's my special place to go hiking in the fall. My secret trail is called Sea Canyon. Not far, from, uh, the trailhead's just up the road. Uh, Of course, now it's not a secret people are going to show up now. But but with Christopher Creek, you could go there any season and really enjoy the outdoors there.
3: For sure. So, you know, obviously we're just kind of getting close to wrapping up our winter season. What's great about Christopher Creek Lodge in the winter is obviously the snow. There's plenty of places to go sledding and build snowmen. And some people stay there and they'll drive up to sunrise and go skiing or snowboarding for the day. And then one of the best parts about the winter is all the water that's in the creek is beautiful. The spring, of course, is when everything starts to green up. We love it up there in the spring. And you've got great wild grapevines and oak and pine trees and all sorts of of greenery that just really brightens it up. And of course, the summertime, everybody loves the summertime because we like to escape the heat. But each, each season has a strength and something that we love about it, trying to get up there.
0: Christopher Creek looks like a little piece of heaven in another state, but it's right here in Arizona and it's close by. I would say if uh, couples wanted to get away for the weekend, uh, if you're reading a book solo and you just want to rent a cabin along the creek, or even family reunions, this is the perfect place to go.
4: No, it is. And all the cabins, they're everything's focused around family and being able to fit families in there. All these cabins, they have the bed. They have all the, the twin beds for the kids to be able to stay in. And I think that's one thing we're really trying to focus on is creating all those spaces or places for families to get outside and gather together and be able to enjoy the ground and enjoy the outdoors together.
0: And besides hiking, there's uh, plenty of other activities nearby.
4: Um, yeah, fish, the uh, fish hatchery is just down the road, which is a great place to be able to take your kids. And the lakes up on top of the rim, which are another great place to go fishing.
0: Woods Canyon Lake and Willow Springs for trout fishing and those pesky green sunfish.
4: The, yeah, right, right up there on top of the rim. It's a beautiful place With you can get boats, go out onto the water. And, so, and, and one thing that you mentioned was the Sea Canyon Trailhead.
3: And the lodge is literally right at the the entrance almost of the Sea Canyon Trailhead. And for those of you who have not seen that, it's it's one of, in my opinion one of the prettiest hikes there is in Arizona. But you're literally hiking up through kind of the base of the rim, and you've got Sea Canyon Spring coming out. And to to think you're in a different state, absolutely, you think you're in a different state when you're hiking up the Sea Canyon Trailhead.
0: Yeah, and and I want to let everyone know because I've done it three times already that uh, you don't have to do the entire trail. You can only do half of it. It does get a little intense as you get up toward the side of the Muggyon Rim because you end up on Forest Road three hundred. But it is a fantastic trail to just go and relax and just enjoy the view and an occasional deer or two.
4: And that one of the other. Have you ever done the uh, Horton Spring Trail? Ooh, I wish
0: you wouldn't mention that. I wanted that was my other secret trail. <laughs> oh,
4: no, oh. Uh, I'm no. sorry, i sorry, I ruined it. That is oh, uh, that's one of my man. favorite places to go to see that the natural spring coming out of the out of yeah. the base of the rim.
0: That's my go-to. If uh, sea was a little tough on my legs, I actually do Horton. <laughs> um, although a couple of winters ago, it had snowed on the Horton Creek Trail, and I started at the trailhead with two inches of snow. That was no problem. I had my snow gear with me. Not thinking as I went higher up in elevation. The snow got up to my knees, and let's just say the next day I was sore. (laughs) But it was a beautiful hike, one of my favorite hikes. For folks that want to stay at Christopher Creek Lodge, Darren Barney, tell the folks how to make a reservation.
3: Okay, no, for sure. So to add to that, one of our strengths that we feel that we have up there is our people. And so Michelle and Chris and Tia and Susan, the team up there, are so friendly and so helpful you know, you call there, to be able to answer any questions. So a couple ways to get in touch with us. One, obviously, you can call us, and then the other is the website, and we'll go ahead and give you both of those right now. The website is ChristopherCreekLodge.com, ChristopherCreekLodge.com, and then the phone number is 928-478-4300. And when you call that number, Chris will be the one to answer. And any questions that you might have, he'll be happy to ask. And the website does have some great pictures on there, so you can get on there and look at that. And love to have you come up and check it out.
0: So no matter the season, spring for the beautiful bloom, summer to cool off, fall for the colors, and winter for the snow, that little piece of heaven's waiting for you anytime at Christopher Creek Lodge. Our next vacation you can register for right now at rosieonthehouse.com. The town too tough to die, you're going to Tombstone. So register at rosieonthehouse.com, look under the Staycation tab, and win your next staycation with Sanderson Ford and Rosie on the House. Darren Barney with Christopher Creek Lodge, thanks for joining us today.
3: Thank you very much.